0: Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show.
1: And I'm Paige Wesley.
0: And with us we have... Bear Suits. Bear Suits and moving boxes, baby. That's my Mm -hmm, entire mm -hmm, life. mm -hmm. Uh, We get into it into the episode, so I won't keep you for very long, but uh, I just moved into my new place, finally got set up. Paige is in her new house, finally getting set up. Uh, It's been a doozy. I'm not going to lie. Imagine how difficult it is to move and then also add on uh, working full time and just everything it's been rough so we appreciate y'all sticking with us and being cool um i'm glad that you guys liked the live episode from uh panic fest uh we will have more information on rtx which is coming up in july soon uh so just hang tight if you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash podcast and i think without any further ado let's hop into the show Hello.
1: Hello. Bear Sue.
0: I was off key. Don't drink the cool.
1: These are, These are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley.
0: And I'm Austin's own Armando Torres.
1: And with us we have...
0: The Second Amendment. That's right, Paige. I'm one of those guys now. Yeah. Is I that why up...
1: there's a bear carcass behind you?
0: Yeah, there is. You're not going to believe it.
1: Oh. oh, my goodness. There is a
0: bear suit. <laughs>
1: what? That, look, that looks like the same jacket that... uh. Uh, what's his face used to wear on Workaholics, Dr. It, it, Blazer? It
0: is, it is the
1: very <laughs> same. Uh, oh. Yeah,
0: I found that in my house. So one of the one of the one of the best things about moving, Page, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that you find a bunch of stuff that you forgot that you had, and oh, I found. Hardcore. This Halloween costume, a, a bear costume that uh, one of my ex-girlfriends wanted me to wear in the Bay Area in- uh,
1: Wait, I remember this. Yeah. I remember when this happened.
0: Yeah. She said that we should dress up as uh, the girl from Midsummer. And, and, uh, her and her boyfriend boyfriend in the bear suit and i know what you're thinking Paige. like oh wow so the movie had just come out right no no not at all it had been
1: years it had been years since that movie Paige. see my first thing was thinking <laughs> oh she wants to break up
0: <laughs> yeah but uh, not the case apparently not at all strange um, <laughs> no all she brought with her was her uh her outfit for the evening A lot of mushrooms and then several knives. Um, Oh no!
1: What kept
0: (laughs) kept kept peeing in all my drinks though, so that was cool. I'm
1: sorry. What?
0: No, it's midsummer. Midsummer. It's midsummer. Oh, oh, midsummer.
1: I was, I was like, who brings this? What? Like, I know the Bay Area gets wild in places, (laughs) but damn.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I've ever had to bring drugs to the Bay Area. They are just provided upon my arrival. Yes. You get off the plane and like a lay, they just put PCP and mushrooms around your fucking neck.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, that is but, correct. But yes,
0: I have successfully moved to Austin and I have become the uh, epitome, or as we Austin comics call it, the epitome of uh, Austin comedians. Yeah, that's right. I'm opening up for Joseph Rogan. I'm opening up for Anthony Hinchcliffe. I'm opening up for Anthony. David <laughs> David Chapel. okay? I am, I'm, I'm, you, whoever. And I'll, and I'll co-sign all of their opinions, political and otherwise.
1: Anthony Golden Pony Hinchcliffe. Hinchcliffe. Oh, um, man. I, I actually, so I was recording uh, on camera earlier today for uh, Rose Battle Weekly, and uh, Pat had just gotten back from uh, Mothership and said that their rooms are named... The little boy and the fat man after <laughs> the atomic bombs uh-huh. and i actually i'm kind of tickled by that
0: <laughs> it's very funny i have not gone i have not gone i probably won't go for a while um maybe you got other ever. shit to do yeah i also t- I just don't like joe rogan <laughs> That's he, dude, he ain't fucking there <laughs> that is true see and here here lies my conundrum i don't <laughs> like joseph rogan but I will take his money from him. I of, course, feel, of course. And his audience, right? Like That seems right to like go yeah. and perform for his audience and be like, that's right, you chuckle fucks.
1: <laughs> Give me the you, fucking money.
0: You laughed at all my lib opinions and you, you didn't th- even know it.
1: Here, here's the thing. Uh, I think he's in between. He's his own monster. Because there are some <laughs> people in there who are who are left leaning who are just like i like his interviews i don't respect his views on vaccination <laughs> but they're still there but from everything i've seen from everyone i know that has been to the club it looks very cool okay and that seems co- that it's got like a cool vibe i don't know well i don't uh, know if I'll you, find if you can tell weeks. from
0: where i am right now but that's where i live this is actually the green room <laughs>
1: yeah. oh that's why there's all those lights cool yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: of joseph joseph Rogaine's comedy club <laughs> the mothership uh the mothership. But yes, we've both successfully moved. I can tell that Paige has successfully moved because a once empty cabinet behind her is full of yarn.
1: It is <laughs> full I of don't... yarn because I couldn't <laughs> think of where else to put all the yarn. And I was trying to get through boxes just to like make room. And we had a problem when I first moved in because we recorded Horror Virgin like the day I got internet here mm-hmm. and the room was empty and my like computer was on a box because I didn't have my desk or anything. And Todd was like, hey, um, not to be a dick, but (laughs) this sounds terrible because the room was empty and it was just echo craziness. So I have like, you can't see it, but I've got like tons of boxes all around. And then I was like, you know what will absorb sound? Yarn wall. And we have not had a problem since. So it's going to stay there for at least a little bit.
0: Yeah, it looks really good, but when I say when she says yarn wall, I and mean, you're thinking like four, five, maybe eight things of yarn, nope. think again, baby.
1: Armando, that is a I'm- wall of yarn. Oh my god! Do you god. see the boxes on the floor next to it? Yes. You know what that is? More yarn. Peach. I don't even know how I had this much yarn. I I've just been unpacking yarn for days, and I'm like. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment. I don't know how I acquired this much yarn. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it multiplies like tribbles or gremlins at night. I don't know. Uh, but I have a fuck ton of yarn. And my um, my grandmother and grandfather have moved into an, an elder living fun resort facility. And so I inherited her entire... like all of her quilt stuff. My God. Boxes and boxes and boxes, and boxes. So I've consolidated that down to like three boxes, uh, thankfully. Uh and we'll continue to unpack and consolidate. But at least now I have my sewing table and all my machines. So
0: I am learning that you and I are at different stages in our life because you yes. have an entire room full of yarn and boxes <laughs> full of yarn. And yep. I don't know if you can see that U Haul box right there. Yep. That uh-huh. large that extra that large one, yeah. moving box. Do you want to take a guess what that was full of shoes nope nerf guns and nerf bullets I have an entire extra large box from you all I, st- I did that and the worst part was not even realizing that I had that much it's just I have. Gu- I had nerf guns scattered around the house like I was a nerf cartel bed <laughs>
1: and I could just pull them out of anywhere it's just like because- reaching under the bed you're always ready <laughs>
0: I'm not lying to you, I kept this gun inside of the like where the forks and spoons go because I thought it What's was funny. Because I thought it was like how great would it be
1: <laughs> to just like open it up, <laughs> pull it out and be like, Yeah That's and it was, hysterical. Yeah. I mean, but that you have to invite people over for a nerf fight and not yes. tell them that one is there and mm-hmm. then get down to your last guns and then pull it out. You know? Yeah. yeah.
0: My posture is so bad because I constantly have a gun taped to my back. (laughs) It's (laughs) constantly waxing myself every morning. (laughs) Anyway, oh man. It has been... Moving has been a nightmare. I'm still... I told you off air that I'm still waiting for my fucking couch and I never thought that... I never thought that I could have problems that sounded so grown up. I never thought that Armando Torres, the same guy who is like, I have shelves, would be like... I. I'm upset that my couch is not in my house by the designated time that was told to me through email.
1: You think that's bad? <laughs> I, I We lived in, in a one-bedroom apartment for many, many years where we had two doors total mm-hmm. in the apartment. And now I'm walking around like... You know, if we look at the landscaping, I think we should really pull out the cypress trees to open up the view of the front of the house. Like a crazy person, you know. Yeah. <laughs> money. I, really... didn't, I didn't even have yards before, and I'm like, this yard is not satisfactory. What?
0: <laughs> I want to say this, and I need to cl- clarify it. Money really do be changing people, and I, we don't <laughs> more money, make more problems. We don't even make money. Like it's it's not enough to like really create problems. But you're talking about doing minecraft in your front yard <laughs> and i'm mad at it no company. i'm talking
1: about conscripting my poor husband <laughs> yes. to do minecraft in the front yard and the backyard uh <sighs> yes you know
0: what's funny is when you asked him to do that his exact reaction was huh which is a minecraft joke for like <laughs> two people or parents out there
1: I just be rolling through thrift stores, finding mid-century hutches and credenzas and texting them to my husband going, it's cedar inside. And him being like, (laughs) yes, that's a steal of a price. Bring it home. Because now we finally have like room for all the things I find. It's a problem. It's already a problem.
0: I had to look up credenza. It's a fuck. It's a shelving unit. It's like a dresser, but short. That's what it is. Yeah, um, mid-century
1: credenzas tend to be shorter and rectangular with uh tapered legs.
0: Oh no. I have a credenza. I I'm have sure a you mid-century do. mid- Most mid-century
1: people do. Credenza. It's my it's an it's, entertainment it's, unit.
0: Yeah, I have uh I have a bunch of furniture that I inherited from my mother. So then people come over and they go, Oh my god, is this oh. is this an antique bookcase? And I go, Yeah, and I got fucking kept in underpants in there. Look at that. It's fucking <laughs>
1: awesome. <laughs> That's pretty we, cool. We have our really cool bookcases in the guest room, which is like our guest room slash library right now. Mm-hmm. And my husband unpacked all of our books and put them out there. And I forgot how many smutty romance books I've read in the last year <laughs> and a half that are now just like on display in in that room where it's just like hey, is this a shirtless werewolf man? Yeah, yeah, don't, don't worry. Yeah. We have a library. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We are well-read
0: individuals. Yeah, so is this werewolf porn. It is frayed and soaking wet. Yeah. Um. I think it's very funny that you can tell a lot about me and when I started becoming an adult uh, or like at least a grown-up because I've been an adult for a while, but I feel like I've only recently become a grown-up Because my bookshelf now has books like... Uh, it, it has, like, a lot of research that I've had to do on, like, physics and, like, new religious movements, and then, like, you know, I've got some of the classics in there. I, I just got Cat's Cradle. I have Neuro, Neuromancer in there now. But then I also have the novelization of that WWE movie. Uh, it's basically Con Air or – it's Hunger Games but with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I can't remember what it's called.
1: What. I just know that mine is like Charles Manson in his own words and like, you know, your, your guide to the uh, Ruby Ridge massacre. And then right next to it is just like kilt porn. Um, so I'll have to rearrange the library. I think
0: I have, here it is. The condemned by Jesse Rosenbaum. it is, <laughs> It is the novelization of the movie, The Condemned, starring Stone Cold Steve (laughs) Austin. It is not the novel the movie is based off of. It is the novel that is based off of the movie.
1: Oh, my God. Do you know what we unpacked when trying to pack up the library? And I just said, oh, no. Should we put it out? What should we do with this? Because I forgot that as part of our research for episode nine Mm -hmm. back in the day... I purchased a copy of R. Kelly's autobiography, cool. *Sola Coaster, which by the way is not the size of a normal book because it's like a coffee table book with photos and in-depth descriptions of his childhood abuse. It's a wild book and I don't really know what to do with it.
0: Um, okay. This, this, l- listen, this stays between you, me, Elliot, the editor, And all of the people listening to this,
1: (laughs) and like the twenty thousand people that are going to hear this on Monday.
0: (laughs) But through the years, I've acquired a sort of a reputation that when you think of white supremacy, you think of Armando Armando Torres, exactly. And because of this, a lot of people have sent me a lot of what I would call uh, collectibles.
1: That's right. I forgot about all your
0: Nazi shit. (laughs) Yeah, so I just had a whole box full of Nazi stuff and white supremacist books and also (laughs) a giant Confederate flag. And I decided...
1: Wait, when did we get a Confederate flag?
0: That might have been a me thing. And... And I decided that it would probably be the best option to put all of that in one box because that way if it like somehow went missing or something, you know, (laughs) it would be fine. But then I realized the horror of my box was in a shared trucking shipping unit with a lot of other boxes. And if Mm -hmm. they had to go, hey, which one of these boxes belongs to you? I don't know. Let me just open this. Uh...
1: Sir, are you Armando Himmelstein (laughs) Torres?
0: because we found your nerf
1: guns (laughs) we found your nerf gun
0: which are really fun but then we found a lot of very concerning material (laughs) (laughs) well you did move to
1: Texas they'd be like that checks out (laughs) just like hand it to you (laughs)
0: Also, I we got stopped by Border Patrol two times when we were moving through Texas. Yeah, I bet you did. Not through Texas. Well, we were moving through Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. And I found out every time we had an interaction with anybody. Because one of the things that we were doing, too, is we were filming some stuff. Uh, it, I can't really say more than that. It'll come out later, blah, blah, blah. But also, we just got stopped by a lot of police yeah. officers and, and Border Patrol agents and I realized that the best thing that you could say is I would go, they would go, what are you doing? And I would be like, oh uh, we're filming me moving from Los Angeles to Austin, Texas because you know I had to get the hell out of that hell hole and every time <laughs> almost a hundred percent I would say 97% of the time people's exact response was verbatim, I hear that brother <laughs>
1: When I told my mom what you were doing, because mm-hmm. when we found out that that's that was going to happen, the thing that will come out later, uh, I was at my parents' house because I was up in San Francisco doing a bunch of shows, and I told my mom, and she just went through Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> she instantly was like, "That's a, honey, that's a bad idea." Yeah, <laughs> <was> it's like <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I just I want to say that it 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 always tickles me how many times. I have been in a meeting for something at work where I pitch out my idea and there is a pause in the room before somebody goes, I mean, just don't get arrested. Or if you do find a way to like film it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I'm going to sneak a, cam- I'm going to sneak a phone into the prisons of Arizona where I will most certainly be wrongfully deported. Oh, um,
1: absolutely. They're going to be like, he's going back. Two no and you're just what? like, no, I I was born in California. No, 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 no Highland Park, Highland.
0: I like artisanal coffee.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh. avocado toast.
0: <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I like artisanal coffee, and they're like, mm, gotta, he's one of them Colombians, and that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's <boy>.
1: Arabica? <laughs> it's somewhere in the Middle East oh man
0: oh but the point is it's good to be in a version of home um and uh for you it's good to see that the house is all coming together that fucking rocks dude
1: it's pretty awesome i made the tom cruise coconut cake uh mm, as my I first saw. bake in the house it was amazing yeah uh i'm gonna do it again eventually i've got a backyard uh it's all kinds of cool shit
0: yeah i got um a bonk nice so you know different
1: for that super legal texas weed
0: no this is for tobacco use only page i do not <laughs> i cannot stress enough how i hold on i cannot stress enough how much i only obey the law here in texas
1: of course of
0: course
1: <clears throat> cigars at night are big and bright Deep in the heart of Texas.
0: I'm not even joking with you. I just found out in Texas there's something at work called Cigar Club, which is exactly what it
1: sounds like. <laughs> Who's in Cigar Club? You can bleep their names, Elliot, if you I want. I can I'll
0: tell you later. I'll okay, tell, you later. tell
1: me. Tell me later.
0: Because <laughs> it's shocking. Really? No,
1: no. It's part. Oh, okay. it's, <laughs> it's
0: everyone you expect <laughs> to be in Cigar Club.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: I believe that you have something to put at the offering of the cult podcast listeners.
1: Hello. Yes. Uh, we, we did want to do some catch up at the beginning. Um, and you know, because it's been a while, uh, but also I wanted us to actually have some semblance of a normal episode, but this is just going to be like a one weeker uh, we're the, you know, we're kind of in between longer episodes, multi-episode arcs. So this one's just a little one hitter and now here's the thing as we get into this some of you might be like why and uh first of all because it fit the schedule before we go back into longer episodes but secondly uh, I've been packing and unpacking while watching the secret of skinwalker ranch on (laughs) discovery plus Uh um yeah uh so here we are and so I'm not to be trusted, I would say, with, with discussing serious things. So today's not very serious. Um, today we're actually talking about a man named Emmanuel Swedenborg. <laughs> you know he's from space because of the Borg part. He's not from space. He's from Sweden. Oh, but...
0: really? Because it sounds like he's a fucking Muppet character. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there's only... Here's the thing, and, and I'll, I'll preface this ahead of time. He is well-regarded in some circles. People love him. But many people have also pointed out that a lot of what he said was fucking nonsense. Uh, And so I'll go briefly through our main sources, Uh, one being just Encyclopedia Britannica to verify various life facts, right? Um, And then there's a a book called Swedenborg's Secret by uh, Lars Berquist. That has been a pretty... A pretty great source because it's in English, thankfully. Um, then there's the SwedenborgDigitalLibrary.org. Great source. And uh, a book that I'm going to mispronounce called Swedenborg Oxline uh, by Inga Johnson that I had to use Google Translate with. So it's a toss up. But if you're familiar with Swedenborg, you might be like, why is this on cult podcast? I'll tell you. He didn't try to start a cult uh, at all. He just came up with a lot of air quotes, interesting ideas, and then a lot of other people after his death ran with them. Gotcha. Uh, And we're not really going to get into that because it kind of disperses and a bunch of people, different people take it a bunch of different ways. We're just going to go through what Swedenborg did and what he believed so that we can have a good, fun time about it. Now, why did I pick him? Well, you may not know this because it's probably bullshit, but Emmanuel Swedenborg (laughs) is credited with the first written and published encounter with aliens. Now, hear me out. You are probably sitting at home thinking like, what about petroglyphs and hieroglyphs and the entire alien, like ancient alien series, like all of it. It's because they didn't explicitly call it aliens they usually called them gods and also they weren't white so like you get it like Uh, no one's keeping track of shit (laughs) so there's a lot of things in Swedenberg's life that are like that where they're like he's the first guy to do this and you're like what about these other like four people who did this so we're gonna go through them because a lot of those claims are made by the people who follow him after his death so let's get into it it's gonna be pretty fun so are you ready?
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Emmanuel Swedenborg, or uh, at the time, Swedberg, his name gets changed by the queen later. It's complicated.
0: <laughs> it sounds like she mispronounced it. And when your name is Emmanuel Swedenborg, and she he went, actually, ma'am, it's...
1: It's, it's, it's Swedberg? Mm, and she's just like, no.
0: I'm never wrong. You can't see it, but I'm holding up a Nerf gun. And then she went, mm, I'm never wrong.
1: I think I'm the queen. Um, no. So it was actually an, uh, to award him. Um, after the king died, she kind of took over. He had been on the board of something. We'll cover it a little bit later. But it's kind of considered an honor to then have Sweden in your name. So he went from Swedberg to Swedenberg.
0: Ah, okay. the same reason why I like to be known as Armando Mexicoville.
1: <laughs> Armando Mexicoville Torres Himmelstein. Uh, so. Guten <laughs> <Good> Tag. <laughs> uh, now, he was born in what will become modern day Stockholm, Sweden on February 8th, 1688. And we don't know how many siblings he had exactly because it's old times and a bunch of them died, but also none of them ever saw aliens. So who gives a fuck? Uh, what we do know is that his father, Jesper Swedberg, Came from a wealthy mining background, uh, which, of course, if your kid's just going to dick around and write books about aliens for the rest of his life, he's going to need that generational wealth, right?
0: Yeah, I feel like we're living in the prime time era for kids with uh, dads who own dubious mining corporations to just fuck up your whole life.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that has happened for generations. Jesper mined things so his son could write books about aliens. Elon Musk's dad had sex with his stepsister, but then also (laughs) mined things so that he could send things to space. Like... It's a tale as old as time. Is These, why you. the fuck
0: can't this guy stick his shit in places it's not supposed to be? He keeps doing it. He keeps sticking it in the earth, sticking it in his stepdaughter. It's just repeatedly doing the wrong thing.
1: Yes. Uh, and they have like two kids together. Yeah. It's oof. mm Anyway, his father, Jesper, also traveled abroad to study theology and presented his findings to King Charles XI. And he kind of parlays this into a position at a, as a professor at Uppsala University. Now, Uppsala University is kind of interesting. Founded in 1477, it is the oldest university in the Nordic countries still in existence. And it was a research university. So this is kind of like, now granted, Universities at the time are limited to the education and knowledge at the time. So there's some weird shit being, being taught there for sure. Um, nowadays, I would trust that that's probably we've probably come a long way. Um, but I do think it's interesting that it's still around. That's kind mm-hmm. of fascinating. Only one problem with that, though. Uh, Jesper, Emmanuel's father, got into this weird version of Lutheranism called pietist Lutheranism. Now, we got to talk about this. Now, Lutheranism at the time, you know, considering how old the earth is and how old Christianity is, Lutheranism at the time is fairly new. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the big thing about Lutheranism is a concept called sola fide, meaning justification by faith alone. This means that it doesn't matter what you do. God can forgive you. You should try to live a good life and because God wants you to, but that has no bearing on your salvation. Mm. Basically it's all about your relationship with Christ and your faith in that system, not specifically things that you do or purchase because at the time this is in direct contrast to the Catholic church selling indulgences, basically coupons for sins. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, This has actually kind of remained an issue between Catholics and Protestants, depending on your denomination, ever since. This idea of, like, well, do I have to do good and be a good person? Does that impact whether or not I am saved, or is it just that I have a relationship with Christ and that is why I am saved? So it's kind of pietism is a mixture of the two where it's him basically saying like the Lutherans are right, but also the Catholics, they've got some good points. Mm. Um, Now here's the thing. He also believed that angels and demons walked among us at all times, kind of like the movie city of angels. Uh, So he was charged with being a heretic. Now, There's not a ton of research as to like what happened after that. Um, He is friends with the king. So it seems like maybe it blew over or not because he never seems to come up in any of these stories again. But that could also just be because he gets less interesting after that. So people don't chronicle what he did. Not a hundred percent. So during this time... Emmanuel was a teenager. So he was watching all of this go down while he's in college because it's old times. Uh, So he attended Uppsala University in 1709 and lived with a man named Eric Benzelius the Younger. Now, this guy with a crazy name is a famous smart guy in Sweden. He was uh, the bishop of multiple different places. He worked in different universities. He's very kind of important to their enlightenment period, which is happening right now in this story. It's just It just doesn't matter to people outside of Sweden all that much. Um, but this is our first case of his post-mortem followers rewriting history a bit. Because they try to frame it like, oh, this super famous smart guy thought that Emmanuel was smart, so he must also be smart. But the super famous smart guy, Eric Benzelius the Younger, was also his brother-in-law. So he just went to live with his brother-in-law. Gotcha. Like, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Who just happened to be this other smart guy. Which makes sense. If your dad is friends with the king, your older sister might marry a famous guy, you know?
0: Yeah. I Okay. I have a couple of questions. Sure. Firstly, is the younger the Swedish way of saying junior?
1: I think it's potentially junior or like a George Foreman situation Mm, where there's multiples in the same family. Like there's 14 Hanses and you're like Hans the Younger, Hans the Younger, Younger, Uh Hans 2, Electric Boogaloo, Uh Hans three The squeak will, yeah, you know. Okay, I get why
0: I am called the younger, but why did the other one get to be called the cooler? I don't feel like that's very fair.
1: It's because of them shoes you wear in dog.
0: What -hmm. are those? What is this? Uh, yeah, (laughs) that's just secondly. Imagine the leg up you get when your fucking your like uncle is basically the king. Not like blood relative, but like, hey, this is Uncle Crownie over here. We we, yeah. we we came up together. Um, well, and
1: and that's why I was kind of like, I don't know if the king actually got mad at him when he gets charged as being a heretic because we don't really hear about it. And this family stays close to the monarchy even through the rest of Emmanuel's life.
0: Yeah. It feels like everything was kind of fine.
1: Hunky dory indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least for a while. Um, now, after finishing his degree, Emmanuel decided that he was going to take, let's call it a gap year, but it was five years. He wanted to travel the world and study philosophy, poetry, physics, and mechanics. He traveled all over Europe and, uh, basically anywhere that would have him and allow him to learn. And if you remember our Rudolf Steiner episodes and the people that he was basing his philosophy on, it's the same kind of vibe of like science and philosophy are different sides of the same coin where they're like, we're trying to merge these two things. And I'm like, not really. Cause like science and the scientific method is like, we're proving facts and things. And philosophy is kind of like make ups. So it's weird for me to combine those. I think that's strange. Yeah, but that's what's going on at this time. It's hard to. I mean,
0: I'm sure that you know this, but it, this was the problem that I was having when I was studying like Kant and stuff for for the Nazism. Kant episode. was a
1: contemporary of this dude.
0: Yeah, because what Kant was literally trying to do was like morality is scientifically provable. Like this is literally how you need to. And what's really funny for that, not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just providing a fact is that at the time Kant was like, okay, for morality to be scientifically exact, you have to just believe in God. All right. Like as a Christian God is God, he exists. He's the only one. And once we have that down, now we can get into how it's science. And so that's, I don't know. It's very funny to me, but yes, I've followed the same frustration you're having where it's like, I don't, I mean, you are the guy, but fucking shut up, nerd.
1: Well, it's and here's the thing. Kant is, is a contemporary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, Kant has commented on, on Swedenborg and a bunch of things. And later, we'll get into it, but Swedenborg will attempt to try and prove that the soul is a body part. Mm. Like a literal part of your body. Gotcha. And he thinks it also exists in animals. So he at one point, we'll get to it we'll get to it dude gets into some weird shit
0: <laughs> instead he um, was looking at lungs that's why he said fish don't have souls
1: right fish just <laughs> spontaneously appear yeah uh, no need come yeah. make fish no need come make egg no, 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 no
0: so, need sex have egg no need no
1: need sex make egg no
0: need sex make egg no 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 need come have fish
1: so in 1715 swedenborg returned to sweden after about five years abroad and he worked in now they kind of yada 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 over it but they're like they worked on natural science and engineering projects for the next two decades what were they we'll get into a couple of them and they are not as important as they sound okay uh this is definitely another case of hagiography where this is after the fact and Whenever there's a gap in time in his life, they're like, it was definitely filled with real science stuff. <laughs> um, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. What we do know about this time is the next year, 1716, he met with Charles twelfth of Sweden, now king, after the previous king had died. And he petitioned him to get him to fund an observatory. Now, Charles XII was kind of a warrior king, so he was just like, fuck that nerd. This is bitch shit. And <laughs> instead, instead of funding an observatory, he assigned Swedenborg to a job on the Swedish board of mines. <laughs> because he's like, Well, your dad was into mining, so like that's what you should be doing. And he basically was like an assessor, like a <laughs> like he was an oversight guy for mine
0: i love this guy i know i probably shouldn't but i love this guy charles the 12th (laughs) yeah that i thought it
1: was pretty hilarious that he was just like fuck your planet shit to the mines (laughs) like go to the mines
0: oh yeah you want to know about the planet so bad how about you take shit out of it and we'll study that (laughs) maybe the mine got a soul you ever think of that nerd (laughs) think
1: about that oh oh you said soul i thought you meant hole in the ground (laughs) like the mines that you're gonna go work in (laughs) And again, he's not down in the mines. He's like no, in the I office, know. but still. I know
0: this is this is so stupid and not funny, but I do imagine him saying that, like, yeah, oh, did you say did you say soul? I thought you meant whole. And then turning to like a court jester or something, being like, I knew he said soul. Fuck this guy.
1: Fuck this <laughs> fucking door.
0: I don't know when they got rid of the jester. I assume they still have him. It's probably Ricky Gervais or whatever.
1: Now they got lucky <laughs> that Emmanuel. Did have some curiosity about mining stuff. He was really into minerals, just like Breaking Bad. Uh, And for the next couple years, as he had been, like, forced to work on mine shit, he published, self-published, a science periodical, like a science newspaper. But it was just filled with his own articles and inventions. So it was basically like, this weekend, here's what I've been up to in science. Uh, But it was called uh, Daedalus Hyperboreus, uh, a.k.a. the Northern Daedalus. He just had a blog. Yeah, he just had a blog at the time. Um, But this is a bit of a source of frustration for his followers because this is where they try to draw a lot of like he was the first person to think of things from this periodical. In particular, he published a drawing of a flying machine that looks suspiciously like Leonardo da Vinci's flying machine. And if you point this out to people, they're like, no, people didn't even know about da Vinci's flying machine until the 19th century. And I'm like, um, what? And they're like, See, like he drew it in 1714 and then it was published, but then Da Vinci's, even though he drew it first, he didn't get published. So really, Swedenborg's was more popular in its own time in terms of influence. He was first. Here's the thing. Da Vinci's journals were found in 1690, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like provably uh, by a sculptor named Giuseppe Ghesi easily You can; It's super easy to find that information. Um, Now, here's the thing, though. On the flip side, credit where credit is due, they weren't widely published at the time because a lot of them were paintings, and there were very few options for publishing literal paintings at the time. People would have to make lithographs of them, like wood carvings and other find other ways to kind of disseminate that information. So they weren't necessarily available widespread, but they were known about and they were displayed and available in libraries, especially for, I don't know, some young, rich Swedish dude studying abroad. I would almost bet all the money I have that he saw Da Vinci's journals while he was traveling and studying.
0: Absolutely. I feel like at this time, you don't really just become interested in a flying machine and not see the flying machine that everyone's talking about.
1: Not only that, in some... There are quotes uh, of him being asked about the flying machine because... For the whole rest of his life like this plagued him forever people were just like you didn't draw that flying machine that was da vinci why are you always saying you're drawing the flying machine and then he would respond with things like look honestly it's a miracle of man that we can even conceive of a machine that flies and you're like that's not an answer to the question Mm, (laughs) like mm. what are you saying why is what no um but this is why you can't trust wikipedia as a source because it's littered with things like that for this guy. So, like, here's a quote from his Wikipedia page directly. During the 1730s, Swedenberg undertook many studies of anatomy and physiology. He had the first known anticipation of the neuron concept, It was not until a century later that science recognized the full significance of the nerve cell. He also had prescient ideas about the cerebral cortex and the hierarchical organization of the nervous system, and the localization of the cerebrospinal fluid, the functions of the pituitary gland, the perivascular spaces, the foramen of the magindy, and the idea of somatopic organization and the association of the frontal brain regions with intellect. And in some cases, his conclusions have been experimentally verified in modern times that last sentence is the most important in some cases his conclusions have been experimentally verified in modern times they're basically crediting him with all brain research and I'm like that's physically impossible (laughs) like not only do we have documented records of other people discovering these things with the things he had at the time he was not like he could write notes and make drawings. It's not like they could test a lot of these things. Like he was just cutting brains up, man. Like I was born in the wrong generation.
0: I mean I know. as a brown person, I was any time after this and present is probably the best case scenario. But how great would it have been to just go back in time and been like, uh, yeah, I invented that. And they're like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I invented that. Yeah, I invented ketchup too. Who cares? I don't know. What are you going to do? Look it up? Fuck you. Yeah, I invented it, dude.
1: Yeah, I definitely invented ketchup. Um, They basically want to credit him posthumously with everything but the kitchen sink. uh, But that brings us to his work later in life. Which
0: makes sense, by the way, because I invented the kitchen sink. You can't Google it, though, because that was later disproven can't trust i
1: invented it. post-it notes i thought about it and then somebody mm-hmm. else took it i was like did you steal my thoughts because i definitely thought about that first yeah. and
0: get this people knew post-it notes existed but Paige had never seen them before
1: yeah this brings us to his later in life works on spirituality so in 1735 in his late 40s he decided to publish a three-volume collection about his efforts to try and combine philosophy and metallurgy hmm two things two distinct flavors that don't go together um and even at the time it was really only appreciated for the metallurgy parts because of his mining experience where they were like i don't know about this god shit but what he had to say about copper a plus
0: (laughs) sure yeah and as we all know the
1: soul is 80 percent copper so absolutely um He then published a manuscript called *De Infinito on how the soul is connected to the body. And I didn't get a chance to read it, but I'm guessing welding.
0: (laughs) Yeah, God's little angels get in there and weld it to the gallbladder.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's how it's combined with metallurgy. Mm Now, in 1743, by the age of 55, after almost an entire decade of just writing Wild manuscripts about metallurgy and God. Uh, He decided it was time to travel abroad to study again, specifically to dissect animals, to see what part of the body their soul was in, because he believed all animals had souls. Mm. And that'll actually factor in later. He was a staunch, allegedly a staunch staunch vegetarian. There are differing accounts. We'll go over it. So, during his travels, he began to have strange dreams and wrote them down. Here's where I'm going to enter the speculation zone. Whoop-ow! Speculation zone. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. He's very close to the age for an onset of early onset dementia. Because from this point forward in his life, he lives another 30-ish years. But he consistently from this point has uh very very concerning dreams he seems to uh see visions at night aka sundowning uh and his work takes a completely different vibe and he starts to come up with some very interesting ideas now um he in 1744 had what people have argued is his first vision or apparition he was dining in london and the room went dark all the other diners seemed to freeze except for one in the corner who said do not eat too much (laughs) and a vision
0: (laughs) uh okay was he having a vision or was he just my inner monologue anytime i go to a sizzler
1: um that's a good question i for me i'm just like why would why would a ghost pierce the veil or an alien travel here to say that and he takes so much meaning for it he's like oh my god i've been connected to the beyond like they contacted me they came to me directly i'm the one who's supposed to receive the messages about how christ wants to return to earth that's where he goes with it so this is like it's out there right He comes home to Sweden and goes to the king and is like, I resign from the mines (laughs) because I'd like to devote my entire life to studying religion. And by now it was the queen because the king had since died. And the queen was like, who are you again? Oh, Swedenborg. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Sure. So he then went on to publish eight volumes on his thoughts anonymously. Probably a good thing because... (laughs) It's not until about 10 years later that people identify that he's the one who wrote them. But there are many quotes at the time, and both Burquist and Johnson reference a quote from the time that said, Few could penetrate its meaning. <laughs> um, here's why. So in those books, those eight volumes, he primarily uses symbolism instead of just writing in in plain language. he It's very metaphorical. It's very flowery. Stones often represent truth. Snakes represent evil. Houses represented intelligence. Cities represented religious systems. And he spends a good portion of those volumes describing what heaven looks like and visitors from other planets. Now, part of the reason people credit him as the first person to like write down an alien encounter is because he's one of the first people to not call them gods and be like I wasn't visited by other gods it's a person from another planet is what he calls them okay. and he's one of the first people to kind of coin that phrasing if you want to think of it like that Um, and if you thought he was going to stop at 8 books you were wrong he goes on to write another 14 books Oh my God. Um, before dying at, at the ripe old age of 88 we'll get to it um, most were published, but not appreciated in his lifetime, uh, largely because they were nuts. One book in particular, uh, one of, and it is cited as being one of the lesser and least popular ones. Um, but he believed that the last judgment, a, A.K.A. the apocalypse, had already begun in 1757 and was completed by 17 1758, which, by the way, before this book was published. Mm. So, like, it had already happened. And that he was the only one who saw it, which I think is a fun new one, a fun new way to get around not naming a date as a cult leader.
0: Yeah, that it's already happened and you must have slept through it like it was yeah, an earthquake. Yeah, y'all fucking
1: missed it. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. You should have come. Um, but he argued that the Last Judgment took place not in our physical world, but in the world of spirits halfway mm. through heaven, between heaven and hell. And that's why he was the only one who could see it, because he was chosen to then bring this information to the people. But he argued that the last judgment resulted in a loss of a loss of free will, uh, so that humans no longer had free will. And he was playing with like kind of Calvinist concepts, or what we would come to know as Calvinist concepts of predestination at the time. And people who read it were like, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, it was not popular at the time. People were kind of like, what? So, like, it happened? I don't know. Then he wrote some books that are just about vegetarianism. Um, But even within that book, he was kind of wishy-washy on it because he noted, quote, eating meat is not something profane in and of itself, but it was not typical of the early human race. So now it's just a matter of conscience. So basically it's just like, I mean, it's not evil, but like choose to do what you want regarding meat. But even reports at the time, some people said he was a strict vegetarian, but he had a maid who then came out and was like, no, he did eat eels and pigeon pie. And I'm like, that's the worst meat to choose that's like that's not even those aren't even normal meats yeah and then within the other volumes he made up essentially fan fiction about the universe like he wrote the marvel section in space uh where he basically claimed that he had met people from jupiter mars mercury saturn venus and the moon as well as from planets beyond our solar system And that the encounters were basically just conversations that they would like show up to him and talk to him, but that they also had societies on their planet and they were trying to increase the perfection of the planets to fill in deficiencies. But also they were all talking to God and he was talking to God. So like they each had people who were representatives for God. It's very confusing. And if you read the Wikipedia, which is, again, not a great source. You got to go outside and see other sources, but it is funny to read the Wikipedia and see what comments people put. And they were like, look, him talking about life on other planets has been extensively reviewed elsewhere. And I was like, what? It should be reviewed here. It is just a few paragraphs later. This is just the wildest Wikipedia article. So the Swedish government got wind of this and were like, Yeah, we're not on board. Like, we were cool when you worked in the mines, but (laughs) like now, we're not feeling it. So he had to live between Amsterdam and London while he continued to write his book, so he didn't get arrested. But in 1772, he suffered a stroke, and then a few months later, he passed away. But not before, allegedly being pen pals with John Wesley, who is the founder of uh, Modern Methodist Church, Um, John Wesley, allegedly super into this guy, except he never really talked about it. Uh, they found letters between them, but those letters were found later. It's kind of a gold plate situation. Mm. Um, but in those letters, he was described as being, as having predicted the date of his own death.
0: Oh, allegedly mm, that's, Mm -hmm. This is dark, but I just realized that technically anyone could predict the date of their own death. You could.
1: It's the one thing you can control, however... However, uh, don't. Just randomly dying uh, from complications of a stroke. Uh, But a lot of people at the time were kind of not on board. In fact, one of my favorite quotes that I found in researching for this episode is from Victor Hugo, who wrote in a chapter uh, from Les Miserables, uh, chapter 14 to be specific... Uh, That he believed that Swedenborg In company with Blase Pascal Had glided into insanity Mm. (laughs) He thought he was crazy A lot of people did But there were things that his followers Posthumously would point to To be like no 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 He's not crazy He is actually a prophet And one of those things was that He was weirdly good at predicting fires (laughs) Mm, Um,
0: that seems like another thing that's very easy to be
1: if you're starting them right
0: yeah Um, it's weird that all the fires were predicted at his house that's very strange
1: essentially there's a lot of like he's predicting a fire is happening but they're like but the courier didn't even get there until a few hours later and it's just like look man it's the old times fires happen all the time (laughs) like this is a lot of weird coincidence um allegedly uh the queen asked him to tell her something about his her deceased brother and he whispered something in her ear and allegedly it was something that only she and her brother could know about but again he was his family were friends with the monarchy so who the fuck knows right yeah um,
0: also what he whispered in his her ear was hey you want to fuck and she was like <gasps> oh my god
1: yes. just like my brother uh, but then the one that everyone's like, ooh, people, th- he was definitely psychic uh, is because a guy lost a document and Swedenborg was like, I bet it's here. And supposedly it was there. <laughs> what? Okay. All right. I must
0: be a psychic because literally anytime somebody loses something, I go, and hey, did you check the last place you put it? And they go, fuck. Yeah, it was there.
1: Well, and, and I guess the guy who lost the document was like, it, can you ask a re- this recently deceased person that I knew who knew where the document was if they knew where it was? And he allegedly gave the right answer. Okay. But a lot of this is all like vague and allegedly. Um, and it's worth noting, despite having wild beliefs, uh, Swedenborg made no attempt to found a church. He didn't try to start a cult. He was just like... Anybody who wants to listen about aliens, I've got thoughts about fucking aliens. Mm. And most people at the time were like, no. But then after he passed away, people discovered his writings and were like, hey, this guy had some good points about aliens. And those are the people that have kind of continued to carry the torch after his death in 1772. And that is the life of Emanuel Swedenborg. What a what a
0: what a strange life.
1: Yes, indeed, wild.
0: Well, hey, I wanna say that I'm psychic because I knew you would listen to this episode, <laughs> and that is true. A hundred percent of you listening to this, I knew you would. um, and for those that aren't listening to it, pff, called it, dude. um, I mean it. but thank you so much for tuning in. uh, this episode has been so much fun. uh, I love weird aliens and I love dumb thoughts, and I love really stupid justifications for somebody's power that's so dumb because he's, <laughs> uh, that's anyway. why i
1: picked it once i started reading about it i was like hell yeah
0: <laughs> it's yes it's incredibly it's incredibly stupid <laughs> um i am so glad to be back and uh yeah that's about it hey we just yeah. wanted to say um keep an eye out for uh rtx i believe that early bird tickets are on right now if you want to go to rtx events um or i don't know that they did this last year of like single tickets to the thing i I wasn't really paying attention i
1: think it was just event tickets like for the whole shebang i think but i think you could buy certain days
0: gotcha well we will be at rtx we'll have more information uh about that coming up soon um so go ahead and stay tuned for that everyone who came out to see us in kansas city for panic fest thank you so much that was so awesome uh, a whole sold out room of people and unbeknownst to me, we did post the audio for that. Episode. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, we did.
1: We just need to post the slides.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad that you guys ha- enjoyed it. And for everyone else who wasn't there,
1: um, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, <laughs> hey, no, Tickets sold out. We're looking at bigger venues for next year. So it's no. Yeah. We
0: only have 150 fans
1: and everyone
0: else is fake. Um, No, that's not true. I love you all. I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you so much for coming out. And uh, it was a blast. And I can't wait to do it again next year. And yeah. Hey, if you want to find me, I'm on uh, everything. All social medias at Mondo does stuff. M-A-N-D-O does stuff. All one word and um yeah i'm even on twitch now i'm starting to twitch stream more regularly it's something that i feel like i should do uh i just had a miller time stream on saturday where i got miller time re- miller time baby it's where i got super drunk and played a competitive gaming with my friends uh so yeah go ahead and check me out i love you very much good night goodbye and good luck
1: Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Paige. If you want to hear my voice more times a week, you can always listen to Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod. Uh, And if you are in Tokyo, I will be there June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. We have shows. uh, The second uh, second is stand-up. The third is roast battle. And then the fourth is a live roast battle podcast. So not us, but me and the few other people that do roast battle stuff. Uh, if you are interested in attending any of those tickets are pretty much already available uh, and I'll be posting clips and links and everything on Instagram. That is the best place to go is on Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, go to Tokyo comedy bar online uh, and they should have tickets available on those days. Uh, would love to see some of you out there. That'd be great. Uh, for the rest of the year, I've got a bunch of other stuff coming up. I'll be posting those also. Um, you can follow me at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and TikTok and at Page Wesley on Twitter. Love you so much. Bye. Now, let's see.
0: That's interesting page is because you could have said, if you don't live in Tokyo, go fuck yourself. And I noticed no. that you... <laughs> you didn't that's interesting that's an interesting strategy
1: i also forgot to say that if you're plus size and in los angeles on six ten june 10th i'll be at proud mary for a very fun uh comedy show as well interesting interesting comedy show shopping event super fun and i think what she meant
0: to say was if you're not plus size and not in los angeles go fuck yourself that's right let's fucking go how i hurt myself um yeah hey i want to i want to thank everybody for sticking with us uh during these few weeks when we've been moving um Paige. i don't know how you did it i mean i know that you weren't moving across the state but uh
1: we're still doing it that's how i we're still moving it's It's terrible it's a
0: friggin nightmare and um i am so glad that it's almost over for me uh and by that i mean everything Darkness is creeping in. I predict my death to be July 32nd. That's right, okay. losers. Now I can never die.
1: All
0: uh, right. That's a secret they don't tell you. So uh, I want to say I appreciate it. If you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. And keep an eye out for RTX tickets. I'll have more information when I know. I know that's not helpful, but right now I know that uh, RTX is July 6th through the 9th. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So once I have that information, I will let you guys know. And uh, we'll, we can't wait to have a good time with you. And, uh, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. You know what? That won't do it. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow us at Colt Podcast.
1: Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show.
0: You can also send us an email to Show at gmail.com.
1: And I'm going to say, oh, if you want to send us... Metal that has feelings,
0: mm. <laughs> philosophy
1: and metal. You can send that to three seven five six West Avenue forty, Suite K, number two thirty seven. Like, the, like shining. the shining, Los Angeles, California nine zero zero six five. I and do
0: believe that it was Two Chains who said, "My dick so hard it make the metal detector go off." That's and a great I, line. I do believe he was talking about our boy Emmanuel.
1: Does that mean that the soul lives in the dick?
0: The soul lives in the dick. The cum lives in the balls. We figured it out. Boom.
1: Boom. Done. Boom. Done. Done. I'm gonna say don't drink any pee from drinks like in in midsummer. midsummer. Like in midsummer. Well, if it, was, she tries it was period make... blood in drinks. It's not just pee.
0: If she tries to make you dress up like the bear from Midsummer, and it's not the year that Midsummer came out. It's not going to work for you, pal. I'm just going to tell you now, baby.
1: And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.